0: Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Here when you need us most, now and always. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority. The Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey. PSCNG. Committed to providing safe, reliable energy, now and in the future. New Jersey Sharing Network. NJM Insurance Group, serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Investors Bank, and by Rowan University. Promotional support provided by NorthJersey.com and LocalIQ, part of the USA Today Network, and by New Jersey Globe.
1: On Think Tank. I'm Steve Adubato. That is our co-anchor and senior producer, Nicole Swenertons. Nicole, how you doing, my friend?
2: Doing great. How about you?
1: Doing all right. Listen, uh, set up this show, because it's a very important conversation, particularly dealing with COVID vaccine and the fact that not enough African-Americans and Latinos are getting them. Go ahead.
2: That's right. So first off on this Think Tank program, you'll see Dr. Sharif El Nahal, who's the president and CEO of University Hospital. Uh, He is joined by Dr. Chris Purnell, who's the Chief Strategic Integration and Health Equity Officer at University Hospital. And they're followed up by John Harmon, who's the founder, president, and CEO of the African-American Chamber of Commerce. And lastly, we have Carlos Medina, who's the chairman of the NJ Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And Really, all of these segments talk about the importance of uh, leaders in minority communities coming forward and uh, using their platform to share the importance of getting vaccinated, whether that be for our our, uh, health, our community health, but also for on the business side. Uh, We can only get business back up and running uh, when Mm. our communities are healthy again.
1: And by the way, we're part of an ongoing series that we're doing at the Caucus Educational Corporation on vaccine awareness, what you need to know. You'll see our website up. You can check it out. Um, Real quick, uh, Nicole, set up by letting folks know who, quote unquote, I know it sounds crass, but who the heck pays for Think Tank uh, News 12 Plus.
2: Sure. We would love to thank Horizon, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, and the New Jersey Sharing Network.
1: Hey, some other underwriters of the show PSEG, uh, NJM Insurance Group, RWJ, uh, excuse me, the Robert Johnson Foundation, Investors Bank, and Rowan University, and also our promotional partners at NJ Globe and NorthJersey.com. Um, real quick on this we can't understand it because we're not Black, we're not Hispanic, but particularly for African Americans who talk about the Tuskegee experiment, check it out. That happened in the 30s, right? But the reality is we've had more and more people come on and say, yes, that was that and there's a reason for distrust. However, this vaccine was not rushed. People are not being used as guinea pigs. How important is it for people of color to get this vaccine? Because the alternative is brutal.
2: It is. It's crucial, and I believe the numbers just came out this week that COVID was the number one cause of death for Black, Hispanic, and the Asian communities in New Jersey in 2020, and that is staggering because normally it's not COVID. So it is crucial for these communities and all of us to get vaccinated, uh, so we can better we can better our community health and um, hopefully get this get rid of this uh, get rid of this virus.
1: And by the way, just remember this. Black and Hispanics are disproportionately affected by COVID. If Black and Hispanic Americans are getting fewer vaccines based on their population, that makes it even worse. Right. That's why this conversation is so important. I believe you're going to see Dr. Allen Hall and Dr. Purnell. That's Nicole, I'm Steve, and this is Think Tank. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. Thank you so much for watching us. Uh, This is part of a series that we're doing trying to make sense of uh, not just COVID overall, but the vaccine where we are with it, the questions you need to have answered, and we're honored to be joined by Dr. Sharif El Nahal, President and CEO, University Hospital, also the former Commissioner of Health in the great state of New Jersey. He's joined by by his colleague, Dr. Chris Purnell, Chief Strategic Integration and Health Health, Health Equity Officer, I apologize, at University Hospital. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Steve. Good to be here. Um, Dr. Allen let me ask you, we're taping on the 13th of January. We'll put up the CDC website, the New Jersey COVID uh, website. Uh, a lot is going to be changing. Ch- things are changing as we speak in terms of categories uh, and who's uh, eligible, who's not. Let me ask you this. Biggest lessons you've learned, because I believe the first vaccine was uh, administered at university, correct?
3: It was. The first person vaccinated outside of a clinical trial for COVID-19 was at University Hospital, Maritza Beniquez, one of our nurse heroes in the emergency room, also a proud Latina American, uh, who delivered her message of support for vaccination, not only in English, but also in Spanish. Hispanic Americans have been, uh, unfortunately, the number one demographic we've been seeing with admissions and hospitalizations here at University Hospital was really an amazing moment.
1: Um, Dr. Pinnell, let me ask you, I've seen you so many times, and by the way, if you wanna check out what's going on every day, uh, as it relates to COVID, the vaccine, et cetera, check out NJ Spotlight News, check out Metro Focus. Uh, both of our colleagues uh, at university have been on many times. Dr. Pernod, let me ask you this. The distrust, the questioning, if you will, particularly in communities of color, say this program is seen a month or two months from now, where do you believe that will be as it relates to the vaccine?
4: I think we're moving Steve. I actually truly believe we're making some progress. I'm not saying we're making quick progress, but we're making meaningful progress. And that's been able to be achieved by demonstrating trustworthiness. And how we do that is by showing up, showing up and giving people space to process their feelings, whether that's concern, whether that's fear, whether that's skepticism based in historical injustices and systemic racism, being able to speak to those issues head on, not hiding from them not ignoring it and being able to meet misinformation with science and facts. I think that matters for folks and people are on a decision journey, and the more we can do to help them be informed, the better.
1: Dr. Alnahl, jump in on that question because it is not just what does the what does the supply look like, what does the distribution look like. It is what is the trust level like. Share uh, your thoughts on that, Dr. Alnahl.
3: Uh, I would completely agree. So I know that Dr. Purnell and I have both been on. The floors of our hospital having these conversations with our own employees and it's really telling that you have educated people who know the science who know medicine uh, but who also come with the lived experience of being people of color right here in our hospital and convincing them will be very important because they are the trusted stewards uh, of this to our majority minority community that we serve here in newark so yes demonstrating trustworthiness uh, and convincing folks right here in our own hospital who can then be ambassadors to our community
1: you know, it's so interesting, you know, the nurse, Maria uh, Beniquez, um, it was very public what happened. And she had a public message, both in English and in Spanish. So I'm curious about this. As it relates to our series on vaccine awareness and everyone in the media trying to do the best we can on this, how important, uh, Dr. Pernal, do you believe it is for people to take the vaccine publicly who are either recognizable figures or whose jobs are very prestigious, like a nurse, um, how influential and important is that? Including yourselves? Mm-hmm.
4: So as you know, I participated in the COVID-19 vaccine trial and I was unblinded recently. And I learned that I was in the investigational vaccine arm. So I have been vaccinated since the very beginning of October and the ability to share that message publicly, right? If we could center on the public narrative, yes, photos are a part of that, but that larger public narrative, if people who are trusted in community, people who have social capital, if you will, social and cultural fluency um, with the communities that are the communities we wanna make progress with, allowing them to hear our stories as we hear their questions are just as important as taking those public photos. So I I think it's a, a meeting of those two, um, opportunities,
1: Dr. Ellen Hall, Athletes, business leaders, healthcare leaders, governmental figures that are respected. Um, by the way, the fact that presidents are several past presidents, um, Democrats, Republicans, public—that matters, Dr. Ellen Hall, Please,
3: it definitely matters. And as Dr. Purnell mentioned, it's only one of many things we can do uh, to get folks uh, convinced on this. We have to. Uh, take the words and the actions of national respected leaders and combine that with people who are local, who are trusted as well, uh, leaders of civic organizations, faith-based leaders, uh, and folks who really have the trust of communities on the ground. I think if you combine those efforts, that's the best way we can get more and more buy-in into this vaccine.
1: Question. Um, it's interesting as it relates to race. Uh, we've also been doing a series called Confronting Racism. Dr. Pernod, you've been outspoken, uh, national media, you and Dr. Al on this. To what degree, say this has seen a year into the COVID crisis
3: and beyond, what has this COVID crisis revealed about structural and institutional racism in our society?
4: We can't deny it. We can't ignore it. And it's no longer a theoretical or academic topic. It is a topic that average, everyday Americans are being confronted with because the glaring disparities um, are just unavoidable, Uh, the disproportionate burden that black and brown communities have experienced through this pandemic, whether it's uh, mortality, whether it's morbidity, meaning lingering systems, whether it's the economic fallout. I don't think any of us can turn away from that. So what I'm really hopeful for is that that energy, right, that, that focus will really lead to intentional action like Dr. Ellen All and I have been talking about, demonstrating trust and is one part of it, but seeing how anchor institutions like hospitals like University Hospital can really begin to work upstream and look at those structural determinants that can interrupt that vicious cycle of structural and institu- institutional racism.
1: Along those lines, Dr. you are playing a role in the Biden administration um, as as an advisor. Tell everyone exactly what it is. I don't want to get that wrong. What role are you playing?
3: I'm on the transition team, uh, honored to be uh, helping uh, transition the Department of Veterans Affairs, where I used to work uh, before I was Health Commissioner in New Jersey. And I can tell you that uh, the transition team and the incoming team focused on COVID-19 and the administration will be very focused on health equity. There's already a COVID-19 health equity task force that is currently being formed. Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith, a very esteemed researcher in health equity, is going to be chairing that, and it's going to be front and center. It's not just going to be a silo of work. It's going to pervade every aspect of the administration's work on this pandemic, which is so important, because as Dr. Purnell mentioned, we cannot Uh, sideline this issue anymore. It will never be more clear that the health and well-being of a black or brown person, whatever community it is, has a a direct bearing on your health, no matter where you live, given that we have to vaccinate 70 to 80 percent of the population to make progress. So it's very promising.
1: I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm going to follow up on this. Um, People who say government's too involved in our lives, we need less government. I understand. You know, I can understand it philosophically. I get it. But we cannot deal with a crisis like COVID-19 without a strong governmental system on the federal, state, local level, uh, Dr. Alan Hall and then Dr. Purnell. How important is it that the Biden administration, state government, local county government, that they're all involved in this? It's not just more government, but government very involved in this. Please, Dr. Alan Hall, first.
3: Well, my simple argument on that, Steve, is that this is why government exists. There's a spectrum of preparedness, of infrastructure, of readiness to be able to meet this pandemic, uh, and to simply hand off a vaccine to states and say, figure it out, uh, has not worked. And that's been the posture, unfortunately, of the administration uh, currently in place, uh, soon to be changed.
1: Again, we're taping on the 13th, the administration will be different when this is seen. I'm sorry, Dr. I'll pick up your point.
3: No, absolutely. Uh, And so now that we have an administration uh, that has come in that is committed uh, to filling in the gaps where possible. I'm very optimistic that we will be finally be able to make progress for communities of color and beyond uh, to get us out of this
1: pandemic. Thank you. Dr. Purnell, the role of government in all this. We
4: need smart government, right? If we centered this conversation on health itself being a public good, we need smart government and smart government is effective and efficient involvement at every level. The fact that we have vaccines, we have two mRNA vaccines that have gone through the emergency use authorization is an example of how when government infuses itself into the process to remove barriers, whether those are financial barriers or otherwise, it matters and it's important into the health and well-being of the population as a whole. So I hope that we can use this as a launching pad to say where can government be smartly involved to impact the lives of its citizens.
1: By the way, uh, as we speak, there are two, but Johnson & Johnson, we don't know, we're not gonna try to predict, that's irresponsible. There may be a third, Dr. Purnell, is that fair to say? Say March 1st, April 1st, that's possible?
4: Well, we have several candidates that are in late phase clinical trials. Johnson & Johnson is one of them. Um, I do think around the spring, we probably will see um, another candidate come before the FDA, but we can't say certainly what date that is, but I would say stay tuned. And it's just a good sign that the science is working. It's a good sign that science and data are doing what we need it to do. And we can trust that process to deliver because it has delivered so far.
1: Well said. By the way, again, check out the CDC website which has been up throughout this segment, the covid19.nj.gov backslash vaccine. Dr. Allen Hall, Dr. Purnell, thank you so much for being with us and shedding important light on this topic. Um, We'll keep in touch. Thanks so much. Stay safe and be well. And thank you for everything you're doing. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back.
0: To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media.
1: We're honored to be joined by our good friend, John Harmon, who is the founder, president, and CEO, African American Chamber of Commerce in New Jersey. Good to see you, John. Hey, honored to be here, sir. (laughs) Listen, let's let everybody know, they'll see the date on the screen, we're taping on the 13th of January. Boy, what a moving target, not just about the covid vaccine about everything going on in the world let me ask you this this will be seen later what do you believe the message needs to be about this vaccine particularly in the african american community john
5: well my my uh, immediate answer would be we need to take the vaccine however we also must recognize that blacks in this country have um, been experimented on in a very negative way we have some real adverse history here in America, notwithstanding all the contributions we've made. So there's some legitimate concerns uh, about um, folks being reluctant to take the vaccine. But given the devastation and and the aggressiveness of this virus in terms of health, treasure, and just death, uh, we we need to take this vaccine as soon as it's available. John,
1: let me ask you this. I mean, you're you're a leader on so many levels, not just in the business community, but across this state. How important do you believe it is to see people of color, in particular, prominent people of color in government, in business, in sports, celebrities, others, taking the vaccine in a very public way? Or, I'll complicate the question, John, listen, I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to do what's right for me. What do you, how do you
5: see it? Yeah, I I agree. I I just think that everyone... You know, at the end of the day, uh, it may be hard for some to accept, given all the adversity. We're supposed to be our brother's keeper. We're all supposed to be Americans. We're all supposed to be New Jerseyans. And and at this point uh, in, in life, in, in in the world, we need to come together for a common purpose of healing our land. And I think that we all have to step up and do what's right for all of us and not just for ourselves individually.
1: Well said. By the way, you're going to see on our screen right now the website, not only the CDC website, the Centers for Disease Control, but also the covid19.nj.gov backslash vaccine. That is the New Jersey site. Again, we're taping on the 13th of January. I don't know exactly where things are going to be with the vaccine, but make your make yourself as aware of, as possible as to what you need to do to protect yourself and your family. Let's talk business, John. We're taping, as I said, now 10 months. This will be seen close to a year into this global pandemic. The impact disproportionately on the business community, particularly those uh, uh, minority-owned businesses.
5: Well, the the irony is, you know, if you want to go back to the pandemic um, coming, (laughs) coming to our shores early last year, then George Floyd, on the death of George Floyd and a host of others, which really led to, you know, massive sustained protests across America. But the fact of the matter is that Blacks, in particular, were grossly behind economically. Here in New Jersey, our net worth is $5,900 versus $309,000 for whites. We have the highest poverty, the highest unemployment, about 30 to 40% home ownership. So all the economic indicators would state that we're in a bad uh, situation even before all the unrest, the pandemic. So Black, the Black community, Black businesses need all the help they could get, Um, not only now, but going forward. You know, government, unfortunately, and I say that as positively as I can, is is really the lifeline right now. With 25% of businesses open to receive revenue in terms of restaurant, restaurants, entertainment venues, 25% revenue, 100% expenses, you're going to be upside down. Coming into the pandemic, Black businesses were just closed, period. 90, 120 days, and many of them had enough reserves that would just carry them for for a few, few months. So um, you have to be, I, I don't know, extraordinary to make those metrics Yeah, and by the way again
1: because we're taping on the 13th of january say it's seen in february march beyond not only will we not know how the vaccine is playing itself out but what the restrictions will be in new jersey what capacity in restaurants uh who can go where who can't go where whether there's a lockdown so that's one of the downsides if you will of trying to look big picture because things are changing so quickly final question john we have an ongoing series called confronting racism It's not going to end anytime soon. Not only is racism not going to end, but neither is this series. Let me ask you, you've always been an upbeat, positive gentleman. Where is the silver lining and where is the reason to be positive as it relates to
5: institutional, structural racism in our nation? It all starts with acknowledgement, right? And I guess the nature of who I am and the business that I am, I have to be optimistic because my constituency is always facing so many headwinds. But we... Have to embrace the fact that either we're all American, all New Jerseyans, and all this in this together or not. And and that is the challenge. Um, We, you know, some of these sacred cows and some of these old traditions, we have to make them what they are historical reference points and try to move on in a meaningful, productive way. By the way, if people want to check out your TV series
1: that you do a great job on, that's on NJTV, right? That's correct.
5: Pathway to Success. Every first Saturday,
1: 9 a.m. Listen, it's okay to plug in public broadcasting, my friend. Uh, that is John Harmon. He is the founder, president, and CEO of the African-American Chamber of Commerce in New Jersey. We wish you all the best, John. We thank you. Stay safe. Be well. All the best. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Same to you, you and your it.
5: family.
1: You got it. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back.
0: To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media.
1: We're now joined by the star of stage and screen. He's Carlos Medina. He's the president of the statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, in New Jersey, and the anchor of a terrific show on public television on NJTV. Carlos, plug it.
6: It's a uh, Capasa, New Jersey, which when follows stories unique to the tri-state area. On when? Um, we'll have nine episodes in 21, starting in March, and they'll be once a month thereafter.
1: Great. Check out the NJTV website to find out more. Hey, Carlos, beyond plugging, let's talk um, the fact that we're taping on the 13th of January. Vaccine rules are changing as we speak, and this will be seen after. But here's the question. The Hispanic community disproportionately negatively affected by COVID since March of 2020. What has been the impact on the business community that you deal with every day?
6: Yeah, it's been a rough road, uh, Steve, and many of these communities don't necessarily have their paperwork in order as much as Main Street businesses, so even the application process to get assistance has been a struggle. I will shout out the New Jersey Economic Development uh, Authority. They really helped out. They gave us funding. I know they gave the African-American Chamber and the Veteran Chamber funding, So they've been a real lifeline to these businesses. We helped over 300 businesses obtain PPP and emergency injury disaster loan money.
1: Let's do this. By the way, team, could we, uh, in post-production, put up the Economic Development Authority, the NJEDA website, so people can find out more. Carlos, let me ask you this. When it comes to the vaccine, as we speak now, there's reluctance on the part of many. Is there more reluctance, in your opinion, in the Hispanic community?
6: I think there is, and I've seen social media buzz about Hispanics and African Americans being tested in the 40s and 50s to test out different drugs. So is this another conspiracy theory? So there's always that big brother mentality. So it takes individuals showing leadership uh, as elected officials and others having the the vaccine we've been doing as a chamber as many webinars and pushes to have people vaccinate for, you know, from a business perspective, that it's going to be good for your business. You're going to be able to open, you're going to be able to keep your employees uh, safe. So I think we're getting the message across, but there is some natural resistance for sure.
1: I, I keep wondering because we're involved in a vaccine awareness initiative, you know, the COVID vaccine, what you need to know. But I'm also curious about the influence of high profile people like yourself. So when you get the vaccine, does Carlos Medina do it in public? Do other high-profile Hispanic leaders in government, in business, celebrities, sports figures, A, should they do it in public, in your opinion, and B, how much impact does that have? Carlos?
6: I think it would have a good impact. And thank you for putting me in that category. But yeah, if they had, you know, singers, actors... Uh, sports, uh, celebrities. I think it would have a a very positive impact when other people see, well, you know, Jane Doe did it. John Gonzalez did it. Why shouldn't I do it?
1: You know, let's go at, and by the way, we'll put up the CDC website, cdc.gov and also the New Jersey website, COVID-19.nj.gov backslash vaccine to find out more both nationally, what the guidelines are as changing all the time, and also New Jersey. And the time we have, Carlos, let me ask you this, to those who are reluctant, to those who, are, who do say, wow, this was fast, talk about Operation Warp Speed, it was too fast. What do you say to give them confidence that this vaccine is safe and effective?
6: I say, follow the science. I mean, well-respected individuals such as Dr. Fauci have said it's safe. Um, talk to your local physician. That's what I do. And if my doctor says it's okay, you have to have some faith in the science behind this. It's been tested rigorously across the world. So it's going to really flatten the curve. So if you're reluctant to take it, it doesn't only injure yourself, you're injuring your neighbors, your friends, your family.
1: Last question. The long-term impact you believe that COVID will have on businesses that you represent every day. Is there any way to know what the long-term impact six months from now, a year from now? Is there any way to know that?
6: It's very difficult, but interestingly enough, it'll spur new businesses will grow from this pandemic. And the way we do business, I mean, I miss seeing you, Steve. I'm a hugger, you know, uh, I like to talk to people and I'm, I'm very depressed by not being able to conduct business in that manner, having a drink with somebody, having a coffee. But I think it's gonna change. I think I'm pretty efficient on all these Zoom calls. So I think it's gonna change the way we do business and we're gonna do more virtual. So it's gonna be businesses that are able to adapt and use the 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 silver lining that came out of this pandemic to better improve their business. But I think we're, you know, six months from now, we're gonna be chugging along because there's a lot of pent up um buyer buyer <laughs> buyers already, people wanna do business. So I think there's a lot of pent-up energy that's going to be good for business.
1: And I know uh, Carlos isn't just talking a good game. He lives it every day. He's a positive person, adapts, is agile, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Um, Carlos Medina is, in fact, the president of the statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in Jersey and also the uh, anchor of a terrific show on NJTV, Que right? Que yes. Thank you so much, Carlos, who wish you and your family all the best. Stay safe and be Great. well.
6: Thank you, Steve. Thanks for everything you do for the community.
1: You got it. I'm Steve Adubato. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time.
0: Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, PSENG, New Jersey Sharing Network, NJM Insurance Group, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Investors Bank. And by Rowan University. Promotional support provided by NorthJersey.com and Local IQ, part of the USA Today Network. And by New Jersey Globe.
3: I'm Tim Sullivan, CEO of the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Since joining the NJEDA, I've been struck by the incredible assets and resources that New Jersey has to offer. The NJEDA is working every day to grow New Jersey's economy in a way that maximizes the values of those assets to benefit every single New Jersey resident. This includes more support for small businesses and a focus on reclaiming New Jersey's position as a leader in the innovation economy. Visit NJEDA.com to learn more about how NJEDA is building a stronger and fairer New Jersey economy.